I'm Danny Belvin. And I'm Danica Brown. And we're Biracial Unicorns. And can you please pass the gluten-free, no GMO, low-sodium, organic gravy? Yes. It's not <laughs> vegetarian, so I can't even eat it anyway. <laughs> I should have put that tag on it. I knew it's weird. I was writing it and I was like, oh, there's one more, one more millennial thing missing from it. And I should have put, of course, I wouldn't think of vegetarian. I'm awful. Uh. <laughs> this is beautiful. I do feel like that's the way like Thanksgivings are going to go towards. They're like, can you, because it's not even like tofurkey was like the tofu unharmed. Was the tofu happy? It's free range tofu. <laughs> <laughs> do you tofurkey? Uh, I'm not into it. I'm not into fake meat. Mm. If I wanted to eat meat, I would just eat meat. Um, mm. But I will say about your gravy, like <laughs> how how can you even have a gluten free gravy? Like, don't you need flour in that? Yeah, but I don't you can know. do almond flour or um, coconut flour. Oh my gosh! Did you just hear my cat? Yes, I sure did. <laughs> your, your cat was She's like, like yeah. She's like, no, no. <laughs> I just want straight gravy on yep. my my cat food meats. That's amazing. Wait, so tangent. This is awful. Does your cat eat wet food? Yes. Okay. We're not technically a vegetarian household because we're not like crazy vegetarians that make our cats eat vegetables. Our cats eat cat food, like meat cat food. And see, I feel like that... Can you? I feel like cats would not even stand up for that. Like, I feel like they wouldn't even cope with a vegetarian household. I think, I think people do it, but it seems really cruel to me. I yeah, I agree. Yeah, I don't know. I this mean, took a really weird turn. Very, <laughs> right. very this is a record of like, a weird opening. How, how quickly this turned <laughs> of all the ways it could have gone. We're very skilled with gravy. We are. I love gravy, though, but it's hard to find a vegetarian gravy that's yeah, good. Girl, just go ahead and get you some almond meal or some, I think, coconut. Uh, wait, you don't like coconut flour? Well, I do. But what I find with like coconut flour and like coconut milk and coconut oil, like I like them. But oftentimes it makes like an overpowering coconut flavor mm, to a sweetness. thing. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I just I don't like sweet, so mm. that's hard for me. Mm, yeah, try some almond meal then. It's not as it's yeah. very thick and cakey, but I think it will. I think it will do the. I think we'll do the trick. Yeah, I mean, I don't know why we're acting like I'm gonna make gravy. <laughs> I kind of feel like you should <laughs> and post it. I feel like I feel like the well, like, gauntlet has been thrown for you to like. Make- I'm gonna make any sort of food. <laughs> You don't cook for Thanksgiving? You don't cook, like, anything? Um, like, I will be sous chef to my husband. But I'm not, like, I'm not the cook in my house. Maybe I'll bake something. Maybe I'll, like, take the lead on the mashed potatoes or something. Mm. But I'm not, I'm not really a cook. Mm. I always find that everyone always has, like, I do the dish. I'll do the mac and cheese. Or I'll do the biscuits. Like, even people who don't cook, they're like, yeah, for Thanksgiving, I will do this dish. And I always think it's really interesting that people like will have this affinity towards the one dish. 
most things in life will not do the things unless no one else is doing the things. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I will pick up the slack if I need to, but I also am not drawn to the kitchen. Mm, understandable. Instead, what I have to offer is my wit, mm. my, my conversational. I'm not. I'm not good at conversation. <laughs> well, that's good because our topic today is about conversations. Yes, our topic today is uncomfortable Thanksgiving conversations. Done. 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 <sighs> I feel like this is something that people have been talking about for a while. Mm-hmm. In an increasingly divided country, there are increasingly difficult conversations. And unfortunately, I feel like most of the the things that you find on the internet are like guides to avoiding these yes. conversations. Mm-hmm. It's like, talk about the parade. Talk about like, uh, uh, that's my response. <laughs> I, you're, you're completely right. I think they teach you how to def- even how to like diffuse. If you start feeling there might be some tensions rising of how to diffuse the situation. Yeah. Um, how to not correct your racist grandmother. Like you're right. I think we really have created a culture of avoidance. Yeah, and I think we've talked about this before, but we live in these weird echo chambers, right? Like mm-hmm. we surround ourselves with like-minded people. And then on social media, specifically, algorithms are designed to just keep those like-minded people as the only posts you see. So this is a, an opportunity for many people to actually get out of your echo chambers if you have family that have different views than you do. Mm-hmm. I think especially because during the holiday season, you tend to be around close friends and family, which some people can find it to be the most challenging, but I think it could be the best opportunity to really gain like allies and to try to gain some mutual understanding. It could be a really missed opportunity if you just kind of look at it as a way of just to get through it and never kind of challenge anybody or even yourself. Mm -hmm. I think, and this is a message we've been trying to share through this podcast. I think that Silence and small talk tend to be more hurtful in the long run. Honestly, in the long term, you're just going to have to keep doing that, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, And it's going to make having uncomfortable conversations more difficult later. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I think we've preached this a lot, too, particularly white folk who might be listening, but really anybody. You can't just sit back anymore. You have to call Mm -hmm. out racist, sexist, xenophobic, prejudiced behavior. Like you can't you can't just let it fly anymore. Exactly. Well, I think it's not loving. That's the thing. You Mm. think your silence is loving. You think your silence and keeping the peace is actually building up relationships. But if you have that tension, like things like uh, racism and sexism, how close can you really be to these people that you call family if you're Mm. not willing to talk about these issues that affect you daily? It's affecting your long-term relationships by continually letting these topics encourage your silence you know like that dictates that takes the power away yeah not to put you on the spot Damika, but do you find i mean you're overseas right now but Mm -hmm. 
do you find that your extended family has different views than your own? <laughs> oh, you, you know, you are, that is the spot. But you know what? We 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 just got done doing a mini sub where we're like, we're going personal. Um, I I do. I think they are really kind, loving people. But I do. I think I talked about it before, where we do feel like we are speaking different languages at times mm. like and we are desperately in need of a translator but i think mm. it's it's it has to be work on both sides in order to try to understand and kind of like decipher what each other's intentions are so i do find that there are issues to where i think at first i was like you know what i'm really probably not going to for their comfort and i think i finally got to that point to where they can never really know me until they kind of get out of that comfort and I think especially since doing the show, I feel like we have really emboldened one another mm-hmm. to really challenge one another to be like, in order to have real intimacy and closeness, there has to be a little bit of discomfort and to really kind of put it out there on the table. And like, if you want to get to know me, these are the things that affect my life. These are the things that I think about. These are the things I'm concerned about. These are the things I'm supporting or not supporting. So there yeah. it is, like fully laid out onto the table. Let, let's go to work. Let's do this. Yeah. Do you have any of that in your family in, or extended family? It's a little different. All of my extended family, well, not all of it, but most of my extended family is pretty liberal. Mm. I'm like very, <laughs> like very, <laughs> very far on that spectrum. So like, pretty much no one is as far as <laughs> as me and my husband on that spectrum so it, it's it's a little different mm. i find what's difficult for me is i do have some family who will have antiquated views on other things like not political things necessarily but hmm. social issues i suppose like even amongst you know the brown folk like there's a lot of prejudice remarks they'll make about other racial groups so oh, that's girl you know that's no, something that's an episode to- for another day <laughs> yeah yeah or a lot of things about like the LGBTQ community that people don't understand. You know, like I once got into it with a family member when they were talking about a trans person at work and how like he just wants to dress as a woman so he can use the women's bathroom. And it's like, no, she does not. That is not what she is trying to do. Like, you know, that turned into a thing uh, that I probably did not handle as well as I (laughs) should have so like there there are comments and things but what i find that's a key difference in what we're talking about today with my own experience is i think there's two types of these heavy conversations that you can have at these holiday tables Mm -hmm. and i think these are the two types you should really strive for so there's either healing conversations or bridging conversations. And so I find healing conversations are important amongst people who have similar experiences or are being impacted by the same issues, right? You like you might mm-hmm. be on the same side of an issue. And I think a lot of these conversations instead of being healing conversations end up being 
bitch fests, right? Like you fall into this like circular, like just complaining, like complaining about Trump or something. You're just like complaining and everyone leaves like feeling worse. Or maybe it's just me. (laughs) I leave feeling worse. So like, I think instead of that, you should be striving for a healing conversation. And then on the, the other end are people who have different points of view, differences, and you should be striving towards bridging rather Mm -hmm. than arguing or like you have said multiple times instead of trying to convert somebody right you're like trying to understand somebody so I think today we're going to talk about uncomfortable conversations through this lens of of bridging work Mm-hmm. I love that because um, when you, you brought up this, the healing versus bridging conversation, like I'm a very visual person and there's something about that building a bridge that we've talked about before as like having that goal and having that true connection. It takes time. It, yeah. and, and I think that's the thing with, with this, of course, I want to give people, you know, key points for this next Thanksgiving and Christmas or Hanukkah, like you know, all the gatherings that you're going to have. But even just for furthering your relationships with people who have a different view than you of realizing it does take time. And it's something that has to be really thought through with a really clear plan. And it sounds, I guess, like when we go through this can be a bit intense, but I guess it really depends on how much these relationships matter to you and or what you're calling out or bringing up matters, like how much that matters to you. Does that make sense? Like you really yeah. have to kind of value and say it's it's worth kind of pre-planning and putting some forethought into these conversations before going into there if it means that much to you. Exactly. And I think along those same lines, like it takes time, it takes energy, mm-hmm. but also if this is your extended family that you might very rarely see, like you see once a year or less, you only see for the holidays. You have to also recognize that even though you're family and you love each other and you have this connection, you might not have a real foundation of mutual understanding and trust Mm -hmm. to build upon to have a productive conversation. So you have to keep that in mind as you're going forward. Like you can't just go into this conversation with your Uncle Ned who you see, like you've seen 16 times your entire life (laughs) and expect to, you know, change his mind and enlighten him and make him woke. Like that's not a realistic expectation. No, no, no. Uh, We we talked about like... um I think jumping a little bit ahead of like choosing choosing your battles, I think that's part of it. So before you even start, I think you have to kind of have that mindset of what mm. you're going to choose ahead of time before engaging of those difficult conversations. And uh, yeah, just <laughs> take a breath, be real, think about, we talk about, um, in the, like, think about your audience. Remember, like, think about your yeah. audience, truly, you know, this are people you see on the regular basis, and you just kind of like, this may be a really good opportunity, since we're all kind of together, and taking the opportunity, though, I'm, I am going to say I, on the inverse, if it is your Uncle Ned, you only see 16 times a year, there could also be like a sense of urgency as well, like, I don't see him very much. Or a sense of what do you have to lose? Yeah, you like hardly see. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I, I know for me, I don't see my in-laws enough, and we talked about that um, the last time that we were all here together. They brought up the whole kneeling for the for the anthem thing mm. that was going on in the NFL, and I had a lot of reservation, but at the same time, I had this urgency of 
you know, I might not get this opportunity to talk about this particular issue that seems to be a big deal to them in person to where they can hear my voice, see my emotion, we could talk it through and they can ask me questions. So I had a real sense of urgency. That was never the plan, but I took the kind of opportunity and kind of just like, you want to know my thoughts? Like all the thoughts and all the feelings and all the reservations and all the research and, you know, kind of just throwing it out there. So I don't know, it, it could kind of work both, both ways, depending on the relationship. (laughs) Yeah, agreed. And I think when to go back to this idea of choosing your battles ahead of time, I think it's smart to think about what topics you're willing to talk about Mm -hmm. and rather than be open to talking about anything. (laughs) Yeah. And also kind of doing some prep. Like this sounds a little ridiculous, perhaps, but and maybe it's just me, but doing some prep ahead of time, like thinking of, you know, I'm I'm willing to talk about immigration. And these are like the three points I would want to communicate. I think having that that grounding and that that choosing beforehand can be really empowering and allow you to not get so emotional in the heat mm-hmm. of the moment because you have those things in mind to go back to rather than reacting to what people are saying in a very like visceral argumentative way. Exactly. I, it sounds like a lot, but I, I'm going to challenge people that it really isn't. It will take you just, uh, if you already have a, an opinion or a viewpoint on a certain topic, it's really kind of reevaluating and being able to say, can I articulate this? And I think it's something we all have the responsibility mm. to do. If there is a certain topic like sexuality and find that your family are, they're, they're homophobic or they have prejudice, then you should already be able to be able to articulate your viewpoints pretty concisely and confidently. So I think even having that like, okay, and if you can't do that, then I think it's actually a really good opportunity for you to be able to to do that. If being an activist or a a human being with opinions, I think you have to take that responsibility. We all are going to have laps in our knowledge. We've talked about that many, many times. But anytime you can take the opportunity to be able to really hone in on what you truly believe at the core, to be able to spit it out, like you said, in a way that's not that's not driven by emotions, I think it's really beneficial for you. I think it it just makes you a better advocate for what you really believe in. And I think it also helps your message if you're able to stay cl- like be clear and to stay calm and know what you're about. And Absolutely. Know your <laughs> I feel like we're not saying you can't have feelings. Mm. We would never say you can't have have feelings. (laughs) Like have your feelings, have your emotions. But we're all aware that when someone is reacting emotionally about a heated topic, it is not productive for anyone. It really isn't. Speaking from experience. (laughs) Yeah. So so let's go into some of these these guidelines for how to have a productive bridging conversation. So I think the first thing we need to talk about is, and and we've kind of touched on this, but you can't hide. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, don't hide. You're not, you're not undercover to find out what the other side is thinking. (laughs) Love it. (laughs) Right? Like you're not undercover and it's important 
for us to be exposed to people who have a different opinion than us. Mm -hmm. And it's important for us to be exposed to those people who are close to us or we have ties to because it really humanizes the other side. It does. It really does. I think I I love the way that you said it. It does humanize it. And I think don't waste that opportunity to gain understanding and to ask them questions Mm. as well, because it could also challenge them. I can't tell you how many times when you even press a little bit on a way that someone thinks they think about something and they're like, oh, actually, huh, I never really took the time to see what I really believed or my reactions to make sure they're really true with very little pressing, like, or, you know, very little questioning and kind of that gives them the opportunity to kind of really see what they believe as well. Yes, I agree. Along those lines, but a little different, I guess, is my next point would be don't be full of hate. Mm, Girl. It's not productive for anyone to be full of hate or to react in that emotional way, which is why we're saying choose your battles, have a plan. I see too often, and this is more online than in person, but people just responding like, you're a fucking idiot. (laughs) Like, that is not... That is not a conversation. Like, exactly. what, who is that serving by saying that? Do you feel <laughs> like a better person? Yeah. Did that make it better? Boo. Did that help? Yeah. I know some families who do talk to each other like that, though. But it's not oh, productive. Yeah. Like, in the in the slightest. That's true. And if your family is, like, raw that way and you're able to roll with it and still have a productive conversation, good on you. But I feel like yeah. most people... No. most the uh, the average <laughs> that's normal people not so normal uh but I, I completely agree i i just think hate is pointless and i think it kind of goes back to leaving kind of feeling hopeless i don't think there's any hope mm. in hate yes. whatsoever so i think the the thing that goes hand in hand with that is no hate from your own side, but also assume the other person has good intentions behind mm. what they're they're saying, right? It, it It's this idea of no one's the villain in their own story. Mm-hmm. They're not bad intentioned people, usually. You know, like someone, you might have a homophobic aunt, but you need to to be able to realize that perhaps the place she's coming from is not a place of hate right oftentimes these things come out of out of fear more than hate and their intentions are good so you're going to have a more productive conversation if you don't assume that these people (laughs) you're related to (laughs) like don't assume that they're they're evil mean people Exactly. And I think this one probably out of most of the list will probably take the most practice in our everyday lives. Oh, yeah. Um, And I hope people know that assuming good intentions does not excuse bad behavior or um, poor verbiage or actions. It's not excusing them whatsoever. None whatsoever. No, no, no. But it's just at the heart of the person is not finding like a malicious heart. And we've said before, you know, like... Racist behavior makes us feel dehumanized and makes us feel like they don't value us as people. Like, we're, mm-hmm. we're not saying you can't have those feelings, but in order to have a productive conversation, 
you should be striving towards putting yourself in the other person's shoes as much as possible. And no one's coming from a place of of bad intentions. Mm-hmm. Probably. Uh, yeah. And not not saying that, that that does not exist, but I'm the likelihood in this particular setting is is quite low. Yeah. Absolutely. Our next point is be an active listener. Mm-hmm. And this is really, really important. Mm-hmm. You've chosen your battles. You have your points. Like, you can't just stay up in your head about that. Actually mm-hmm. listen to what the other person is telling you. You aren't listening with the intention to change their mind or change their heart. You're not listening with your ideas already formulating of how you're going to respond to it. <laughs> you're just listening. And trying mm-hmm. to understand where they're coming from. Like, listen. Exactly. And, and also, I think the part about listening, that's very difficult, especially I think for me. I'm going to put myself on blast. I talk pretty fast. Mm. So to me, I'm like, yeah, yeah, spit it out. Spit it out. Yeah, go, go, go. Some people need <laughs> pauses. Yeah, it's it's not great. It's not my best feature. But some people need pauses. They need time to collect themselves, especially if it's something kind of challenging even talking kind of out in public about certain things, even if it's something you have to kind of have like in segments over a conversation of like having, giving them breaks to kind of come back, like be really gracious in that active listening. You'll really benefit from that if you're not trying to formulate, you know, a clap back while they're talking. Right. And I think along those same lines, this idea of asking questions in response to what people are saying mm. and asking questions with the intention of listening, not responding, right? Like your your question shouldn't be loaded in a way that you are responding or disagreeing with the person, but instead you're asking clarifying questions so that you can understand where they're coming from. Mm, clarifying and not condemning. Yes. Yes, Absolutely. So you mean to tell me it's okay to wear Arctic Fox? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Our next point is, uh, and we've touched on this, but we'll just keep driving it home, is Mm -hmm. staying calm, right? Yeah. Got to keep those emotions in check. So what does, well, well, maybe since we're on it, what does staying calm look like in your opinion? To me, I feel like, Staying calm means not reacting emotionally. So mm. controlling controlling your tone of voice, controlling the things that you're saying. Mm. I like that. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think staying calm looks like? I think being able to leave a conversation. Like mm. feeling very in control. I, I don't – because the thing is you can be – I think someone who's really calm – facilitating a conversation they're able to leave it even if they're like all right it's not going the way it is we can leave it as opposed to being in those conversation where someone has to yield it just meanders on it gets off the point and i've definitely been on part of conversations like that where it's miss the point entirely i think mm. someone calm can always keep it on point keep it um keep the that mission the whole reason why you're having the conversation very clear and keep going able to leave it when they can able to pick it back up when they can i think it's just someone who's very very much in control yeah yeah that's what i, I think is calm it's so much more than tone 
I think, which uh, is very important because tone is important. <laughs> yeah, I I think you're right. I think that aspect of, of staying in control of yourself, but not necessarily controlling the conversation, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You are an independent person who has control of yourself in that moment. That means you're controlling your emotions, you're controlling your responses, and you are controlling when you enter or exit the conversation. I think mm. that's a great way to look at it. And along those lines, I feel like the beauty of being an adult and we don't talk about this because we don't look at it this way. I don't think mm. I certainly struggle with this, but you have the ability to disengage whenever you want. And mm, you have the ability. Button. Yeah, you can leave whenever you want. Like mm-hmm. you don't have to stay there. Mm-hmm. Yes, you're like, oh, but my mom wants me to stay. Like you are an adult. You are a grown ass woman. <laughs> so grown. <laughs> you pay your own bills. Exactly. And, the thing is, and if you're staying calm, it doesn't have to be in a huff. Exactly. <laughs> it doesn't have to be bringing the drama and leaving, yeah. but like you can leave. That's Don't fine. Don't be messy. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't got to be messy and slam doors and grab a coat and been like, come on, Cliff, we're leaving. It doesn't have to be that way. It could just be notice like you are in a bad environment. Right. It's, it's unhealthy. It is unproductive. And, you know, yeah. <laughs> peace out. Right. And your your control allows you to be able to do a pushback that's like, I do not appreciate the things that you're saying. Like, you can say that. And yeah, that's fine. Exactly. And still have, like, love for everybody else in the room. Does that right. make sense? Like, that that is real. Some real self-evaluation, being cool with yourself, being able to leave a situation and not even fear the after like if you all keep talking about it that is your choice i'm in control of myself because i think like disengaging and leaving the situation is kind of like that as a cop-out but i think it's when it's done with an emotional background Mm. we're not saying that because you're disagreeing or you're getting too worked up you have to leave you can also part of being in control and staying calm is you can say i don't want to talk about this anymore can we talk Mm. about something else the parade's nice (laughs) like i mean i know we were saying that you need to have these conversations but ultimately if your conversation isn't working towards healing or bridging Uh if people aren't going to meet you for this work like you should try but but don't beat the dead horse right exactly there's only so much you can do and and like we said before this takes time so maybe this year it's just planting that seed and then talking about the fucking turkey being too dry i don't know exactly exactly and that's the thing like it's it's totally okay it shouldn't just be one conversation it needs to be many 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 conversations if it's a serious especially if you're dealing with people with different backgrounds different ages experiences you have to kind of take that in account as well when you're when you're kind of like gearing up to have these conversations. And this goes into our point that maybe, maybe you need to plan some follow-up mm-hmm. after. I, yeah. You, mm-hmm. Do you want to talk about like, what, what do you think that follow-up could look like? Um, I definitely think it is, especially if it's people you don't engage with very much for, you might have to look into those reasons as to why. 
if you don't mm. engage with them many times, it's probably because of these particular reasons. You have these different political issues, uh, viewpoints, saying this is actually affecting our relationship. I would like to have a closer, deeper relationship with you. Can we email? Can we phone call? If there's some place nearby, having a cup of coffee. Um, I know older, this is so funny. A friend of mine's just like, yeah, I send my dad who doesn't understand about it's so funny enough about the trans community. I send him articles and he finds them very helpful because he loves the news and having that one conversation followed with some articles. I think it's really trying to um, make sure we just don't have this, you know, potentially very difficult conversation and just kind of leave it. Right. It's that responsibility of if you open that door, you can't just open the door and walk away. Exactly. Like that, because that, how is that helping whatsoever? You've just kind of like opened that, you know, the can of whoop ass and then, and then didn't follow through. There's just something. So what did you think? Did you have thoughts? Um, have you had any more time to think any more about what we talked about? Did you have any questions for me or even for yourself of just being like, actually, you know, what you said kind of, you know, I just need more clarity on what you said at dinner or whatever it may be. Like, don't be afraid to do that. If it means something to you, just don't drop it. I'm this way. I am much better one-on-one than in a group. So mm-hmm. I think, you you know, like you can open that door, but for some people it's hard to have that conversation in front of a lot of people or with a lot of people. So mm. creating that space where there's maybe follow-up opportunities to have a conversation one-on-one is more helpful for some people. Mm, I, I I agree. Because I think in that setting, some people, especially if they're with family, they may not feel uncomfortable, but some people can actually feel like ganged up on, especially if they're one of the only people have like an opposing view nature. But there's something really special about just say, hey, let's just you and I, we can talk about it. But I think I love the idea of just like the planting the seeds, like take the opportunity, never waste a really good opportunity. Yeah. And I would say along those lines, something you should strive for within these conversations is noticing the areas where you do agree about things. Mm -hmm. Like just because you have two opposing viewpoints, like let's go back to this idea of, you know, LGBTQIA plus issues, right? Of perhaps you have an aunt who's very anti-gay marriage or something. But as you're like digging into this conversation, like you both have like the same feelings of, you know, like building a family and loving each other is is mm-hmm. like part of what's important behind a marriage. And so like even if you disagree about who should be getting married, like you still have that same touchstone to to refer to. Oh, I think yeah, I completely I I'm for that cuz that gives hope. Exactly. That if you can find that humanness in each other that, you know, touches you. I love starting a conversation with that. When I know, you know, people disagree, like when I have conversations about race with my extended family of like, you know, you love me and you love my daughter, Mariah, who's a mixed woman so much. And you don't see her as a mixed woman. You see her as just your granddaughter or your niece or, or whatever that may be and go and work backwards. And you start with that heart connection first. Cause I think that also helps with the part we talked about assuming good intentions. When you start off with where we agree 
and kind of like work its way backwards. So because we agree on this, why would it matter? Or can you see that there may be an issue with this and kind of unfold that layer by layer and, you know, trying to gain that ground of saying, we still agree, we're still one on this. Where do we start to kind of diverge in our thoughts and our opinions? And that, I think that's such a powerful, powerful way to begin and also to end because you always want to leave on hope. Absolutely. And then I just have, I have like a bonus point of hmm. if you do have a family that you feel like is very different than yourself, like if your family has very different opinions than yours and you're kind of dreading this and dreading the conversations that might happen and you've done the prep and you know the battles you want to fight and <laughs> you know what you want to talk about, it's okay to reach out to your family that you have built that might mm. not be blood relatives, like, and think of them as kind of a support squad. Mm. I, for one, would not be bothered at all by a friend, like, texting me in the morning and saying, I'm going to have a difficult day with <laughs> exactly. my family, you know, and, like, I, I want somebody to be able to check in with. Like, I'm happy to be that person, and I feel like so many people are happy to be that person for someone they love so like you can you could have that support squad of people you can check in with during the day people you could debrief with at the end of the day all of that right yes yes I, it takes it takes a village I, I really do we talk we kind of down talk a little bit about the echo chambers and being with people who are like-minded but you you do need a support system you, you do need to have that foundation of realizing like you're not alone in this. And can you imagine if we all sent that message before we go on these beautiful holidays and just say, hey, guess what? Somewhere right now, someone else is having a very difficult conversation <laughs> like across the world. We all need to kind of support each other and be able that place where we can feel we're not being judged, where we feel we can be uh, rebuilt and revitalized. And also, I think it also gives you accountability as well. When you have that honesty, been like, hey, have you followed up with that conversation with, with your grandmother, with your aunt, with your cousin, when they're aware that these conversations are happening? Because I think that that indeed's the hardest part. It's having that accountability for making sure you kind of have that follow up. I feel like Thanksgiving is as good a time as ever to have a real conversation and you don't have to limit yourself to just small talk around the dinner table. We didn't even talk about how problematic Thanksgiving is in general. Yeah, <laughs> so at least it, use exactly. it for good. At least. Exactly. You don't have to like holidays to use holidays. Yeah, totally. Mm. So uh, we've been pretty diplomatic. I, th I think so. Should we get mad? It would be nice to get mad. Let's get mad at the internet. <gasps> There's Kumo! <laughs> She's back! Kumo! Kumo! <laughs> oh, she just left. <laughs> <laughs> just like a cat. Love it. Yeah, so uh, mad at the internet? What are we mad about this week, Jamika? Does it sound messed up that we're being mad about thankfulness? <laughs> yes. 
We are two damaged creatures. We are. So what specifically about thankfulness is making you mad, Danny? Well, the fact that like social media is just overrun with posts of like what people are fucking thankful for. (laughs) So shady and hateful. (laughs) I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Because the thing is like Thanksgiving, go ahead. Because I'm guilty of that as well. Mush away. But and this is gonna talk about unpop like very un like unpopular opinion. People who are like, I'm gonna post what I'm thankful for each day. I'm like Ugh. Ugh. <sighs> Give me my memes. This is what we're here for. This is what social media is for. Food baby memes. Give me what I desire. I don't care what you're thankful for. <laughs> Is that messed up? I feel it's messed up. But I I guess it's like when it's when you, especially if you know the person by nature, I'm like, Mm. oh, oh, now we're going to be thankful and pleasant because (sighs) in IRL, in real life, that is not the case. Right. I mean, I feel like it seems like these gratitude posts feel like posturing to me. Like, I, mm. it doesn't seem sincere. And my apologies to you if you have posted about, like, what you're thankful for and it comes from your heart and I'm over here just shitting all over it. But, like, <laughs> <laughs> but I just, I just hate, I hate the culture. I hate it. Why? Let's be thankful for shit all the time. Let's not just That's all jump true. on the bandwagon for one day one week and talk about thanksgiving oh and you know what it's so funny i think you and my husband have this in common you guys don't like when things are like expected you know obligatory mm. things yeah you're just like today's thanksgiving thus we must obligatory do that and be thankful and if you don't put a post then you must not be thankful you know he feels that way about you know any holidays he's just like um, you know, my husband's in the military Memorial Day. We do not post, you know, how we're thankful and we're grateful for the country and this nation and the sacrifice for men and women. Then we don't feel that way. Like, you know, it's it's so it's so difficult when you feel that 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 pressure and everyone kind of comes on board. Like I said, I don't mind the day of because I think it's good to reflect. And I do think some people actually mean it. It's the the lead up to it that drives me off off the board like if someone's like oh i've missed a couple of days let me put three things that i'm thankful for to catch up to it i'm like your following's not that big nancy <laughs> like no right. one was like oh she didn't post the thing she was thankful for today and also like the inspirational thanksgiving quotes where the background is of a turkey's buttocks uh... or like do you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> or the black and white first Thanksgiving background kind of foresty Plymouth Rocky kind of thing. That that those are the things are like it's the background with like the white cursive lettering and the leaves are gently f- like full like falling in the background with some inspirational thankful quote garbage. I'm like yikes, that's not what that's for. <laughs> Seriously, and I feel like it's this idea of not only expectation but. I hate, I mean, I hate this time of year because it's supposed to be like, we're supposed to all just feel gratitude and joy all the time. And it's like, how can you actually feel those things if we aren't acknowledging the truth and like speaking our truth about all the bullshit that surrounds this time of year and our feelings and like the world? I don't know. I want balance. You're so 100 right now. (laughs) I want balance. (laughs) 
I I think it's one of those things of where I, if people actually can have a season where they're at their best, the only part that makes me mad is that why can't you be that way all the time that we talked about before? I'm like, so you have the capability of being grateful and thankful. It's just, there's no stamina in it. So we all can be positive and put uplifting things and recognize all the things we have and all the, you know, our privilege and, you know, reaching out to people and have like this goodwill. The season of goodwill is going to soon be upon us, but it's just, it just, it peters out. And that's the part that upsets me. It's not necessarily the actual action that upsets me. It's just like, wow, we really can't, we can't keep it up. We are capable, but not for long. And that's, that's my, that's my personal gripe. If people want to recognize what they have and they should, and I do think it's sincere. It's just, I really wish we could actually just like keep it up, but we, we can't. No, no. And I mean, so maybe, yeah, let's be, let's be thankful on Thursday, but let's be thankless Tuesday. (laughs) (laughs) And that would entail. I, I don't I'm know. curious because like, I'm in it now. What's the shit that you're not grateful for this year? Mm, light pollution? Light pollution. <laughs> fucking people who are doing nothing about climate change. Or people, no, people we have to convince that climate change is real. I shouldn't have to convince you. Yeah. I, that, that's, yeah, I shouldn't have. No, it's not my job to convince you. <laughs> These are facts. Yeah. That, that, that does make me, I'm not very thankful for that. Right. Um, oh I'm gosh, not grateful no, for the lack of time I have. <laughs> like, I wish there was more time in the day so I could do more things. <laughs> are Are we going to do this? Because I'm not grateful for how delicious bread is because I keep eating it. It's <laughs> That's really perfect bad. for Thanksgiving. <laughs> it's, like, I just got super real. Like, I'm really mad at how freaking delicious it is because it's so bad for me. <laughs> I just want to stop. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. And don't you feel kind of better? <laughs> Actually, I kind of do. Yes, we're doing it. New tradition. Everybody, Everybody's welcomed. <laughs> Thankless Thanksgiving Tuesday. But honestly, Danny, would a holiday be complete if we didn't ruin it? It's true. That's kind of our, <laughs> our thing. We don't get invited many places, but when we do. (laughs) When we do, we ruin it. (laughs) We make sure to leave the place on fire. Right. (laughs) This is like the moment. I I know you're not like into Snapchat and Bitmoji, but there's this beautiful Bitmoji with like a dumpster fire and then like the two Bitmojis, like you and your friend, like looking away. One of them is like drinking a soda. Like that's us. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I'm here for I may join Snapchat just to have that in my life regularly. Yeah, I mean, you should probably join Snapchat so that I can pull that bitmoji of the two of us to accompany this episode on the internet. I think I have some homework. <laughs> <laughs> well, since we're since we're actually we're doing a bad job of being mad, should should we should we go to our happy place? Yeah, why not? Why let's not? Let's do it. Let's, let's do it.
what's your happy place this week? <laughs> so this is going to sound weird. You know, it doesn't sound weird. It sounds exactly like something that would make me happy. It's, you know, those little alien cartoons that have been coming out. They're like really whimsically driven and they use really like really oh, intense- strange, strange planet. Nathan yeah. Pyle. Yeah, exactly. He it's bringing me so much joy. My husband and I must exchange me at least a minimum of one a day to one another. And I love them. I I'm like such a sucker for them. They're pretty great. My best friend, my female best friend, she got one of the a shirt with one of those comics on them for her birthday. It's pretty awesome. I haven't no. seen her wear it, come to think of it, but another friend got her that shirt. It was pretty cool. That's amazing. I actually, I put one up here. There's one where it's like, obviously, an adult alien holding a blanket between itself and a baby one. It's like, have I ceased to exist? And then it drops a blanket. Deception. I have not. It's oh, just- I love that one. I yes. love it. I love, I love them it. all. They're very good. I love them all. It's very rare that I'm like, oh, yeah, that's like, they're all all equally like, yes, with multiple S's. So <laughs> it's also rare that I like something so mainstream. But <laughs> yeah, I wasn't quite sure. I thought I was going to get called out for it because it is really like I feel it kind of came from nowhere and it came and just like exploded. Like everybody loves these things, but they're just so daggone relatable. I think because they they're just they're nondescript. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. Though is it weird? I still think they're white. Is that like an issue? Oh, I think they're white too, and I think it's an issue. <laughs> <laughs> just, <laughs> we were just meant to be. We were just meant to be. What? What? What is me? I don't know how we can come back from that. What <laughs> is making you? What is? We have issues. What is making you happy this week? I'm a huge Harry Potter fan. Like I love. No. I know it's a it's a shock to everyone, but I I love love Harry Potter, and for many years of my life, I used to reread all of the books once a year, and mm. it's been it's been several years since I've reread them. I think I the last time I read the books all the way through was maybe three years ago, and it was because I was doing a Harry Potter summer camp, <laughs> so I reread them in Wait, preparation. What? Yeah, uh, this isn't my happy place, but I guess I'll talk about it. Yeah, three years ago, I did a Harry Potter summer camp. It was like a two week long summer camp for kids third through fifth grade, maybe. And it was like an all day thing. So I was with the kids all day, like a normal school day, but it was Harry Potter themed. And so like I had them make their own houses and we did all these different activities that were like based in Harry Potter. So I made like a class schedule and we had like potions class and transfiguration and like all these different arts and sciencey activities based off of those topics. It was super fun. And we went on a a field trip to Meow Wolf, which is Meow Wolf has this uh, installation, like permanent installation in Santa Fe that I think a lot of people are familiar with, but it's like super cool, this art installation. And so I was like, we're going on a field trip to another wizarding village. And it was pretty magical. Your life (laughs) is unreal. (laughs) You may continue now with your happy place. I just, I couldn't, did you really think you're going to be able to drop that you did a Harry Potter camp and just be able to move on? Like you weren't going to have to explain that any further. Oh, Danny, you're like, I just can't with you right now. 
Anyway. (laughs) Anyway. So so my happy place is I have started listening to the Harry Potter books on tape. Or not on tape. How old am I? (laughs) (laughs) On my phone from the library. I've been listening to them. And and so my husband and I have gone through phases where we'll like read each other Harry Potter to go to sleep at night. But now we just listen to someone else read Harry Potter as we're going to sleep. Y'all come up in the world. Yep. (laughs) Um, And actually, we had the only one I had listened to before this was book five, Order of the Phoenix. And um, me, my husband and my now father-in-law listened to it on a drive to San Francisco years and years ago. And it was like the funniest thing because there's so many voices in that book. And the guy just starts to sound very loopy after a while. Like he was maybe locked in a room and not allowed to leave until he finished recording this book. Um, So I don't know. I just love it. I love I love the guy who who narrates the the Harry Potter books. Is it Stephen Fry? Mm, Perhaps. I don't know. He's British. It could yeah, be I Stephen think it's Fry. Stephen Fry. He he's a loopy person by nature, if that's who it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm trying to research right now. Oh no, mm. Jim Dale is mm. his name. Oh nice. Go maybe, ahead, Jim. Or maybe not. I don't know. It looks like Stephen Fry and Jim Dale have done them. Mm. I don't know which version I'm listening to now. Oh my oh, gosh. No. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> I will check. Sorry, this is really exciting podcasting right now. No, no. Riveting. Jim Dale. Yes, I am listening to mm-hmm. the Jim Dale version. Okay. I guess, oh, I guess Jim Dale narrates the U.S. versions and Stephen Fry narrates uh, the U.K. versions. But they're both British. Yeah, that's strange. Maybe that is, because I remember he, it was a really big deal. It was like, oh, Stephen Fry is going to do the narrating of it because he's just, he's just a staple here. And it was just like a really, everyone lost their whole minds. Um, and I thought, oh, that would be a really, really good voice. So I thought that would be really, really cool experience. But yeah, I don't know. I think I don't think I've heard the Stephen Fry versions. Maybe that'll be on my list next. <laughs> so have you done that recently? The audiobooks? Yeah, you're doing that right yeah, now. Yeah, I'm doing it right okay, now. Brilliant. Um, I mean, I took kind of a, a big break. I listened to the first one on a road trip a while back and I'm currently on the second one. But they're in very high demand on the from the library, so I'm like on the wait list for the other ones because it's like this one will be available in 9 weeks. It's like crazy. Oof. Yeah. Dang. Oh, man. Yeah, well, I mean, they're crazy expensive to buy outright. So, audiobooks. Can I be mad about that? I know we're not mad anymore, but audiobooks. <laughs> you got to hang on to that anger. Oh, right. All right. Well, shall we wrap this up? We probably should because I think we're both hungry now. Yeah. I mean, I guess we got to stay hungry till Thanksgiving. (laughs) And I'll be really thankful for that. Right. (laughs) (sighs) Yes. Okay. So we want to hear from you. So you can get in contact with us a number of ways. You Mm -hmm. can shoot us an email, biracialunicorns at gmail.com. You can follow us on social media. On Instagram and Facebook, we're at Biracial Unicorns. On Twitter, we are Biracial Magic. 
You can also call and leave us a voicemail. Yes. I don't remember the number. <laughs> it is. It's 505-585-1808. Yes. I feel like it's an easy number and I should that's remember it. I, I'm like, that's it's brilliant. Yeah, I, I tried to find the easiest number I could for us. All of this information is also in the show notes, should mm. you need it in writing. So let us know what you think. Drop us your questions. Share your stories. Tell us if you agree, disagree. We're open to your suggestion for topics, whatever. Just let us know. We want to thank Joseph Scott from Citizens of Tape City for the awesome intro and outro music. The wonderful art artist of Dolly Pop Art for our awesome logo, which you can get a sticker from. Just go ahead and stay in our Instagram to figure out how. And yes, you should follow both of those very closely because they're both awesome. Yes. And if you like the show, please tell your friends. Share yes. our podcast with other people. You can also uh, subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. Pretty much wherever you're listening, you should be able to subscribe. And if you're feeling so inclined, feel free to drop us a review. It doesn't mm. hurt anything. It doesn't. And yeah, be honest, but not too, because I'm delicate. Think of D'Amika's <laughs> feelings. Exactly. She has so many of them. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll be back next week with a mini-sode and in two weeks with a full episode. Yes. Peace. Out. Out.